Welcome back to Propaganda Exposed Uncensored. We are your hosts, Ty and Charlene Bollinger. In this final episode, we're going to examine the ongoing pattern of something being blatantly obvious, and then some conspiracy theorists point out that the thing is blatantly obvious, and then said conspiracy theorists are mocked and attacked and ridiculed, and then time passes, and then eventually the experts concede that the blatantly obvious thing was correct, but no apologies are offered to those conspiracy theorists who were then proven to be correct. The conspiracy theorists, the tin hat brigade, the so-called anti-vaxxers, who were no such thing but simply wanted personal choice, were right all along. What if the experts who criticized those crazy conspiracy theorists who were eventually proven to be correct, what if those so-called experts were just saying what they were told to say? One of those, quote, experts, Ontario's chief medical officer of health, Dr. Barbara Yaffe, she was caught on a hot mic moment at a COVID-19 press conference. I don't know why I bring all these papers. I never look at them. <laughs> I just say whatever they write down for me. <laughs> that is shocking. But if you disagreed with one of the experts who was doing nothing more than repeating and regurgitating the COVID-19 narrative, you were at risk of being smeared, mocked, canceled, or even worse. Here's award-winning actor Isai Morales discussing the risk he took being interviewed for this docuseries and also examining the importance of keeping an open mind and seeing things from other people's perspective, as well as asking the important question, who is shaking the jar? I have to say it, it's a bit of a risk on my part because there are people who will just by association make assumptions and cast aspersions. and. That brings us to our subject, because I believe this is completely a product of propaganda. And if you consume enough propaganda, your rational mind stops working and you become tribal. Oh, he's on their team now? Oh, excuse me. And you become the enemy. When I, in fact, have always, no matter what part of the political spectrum I've been in, I, I can tell you I was as far left, liberal, bleeding heart, you know, as I could. And I've, I've changed a bit, but that change comes from keeping my mind open and never as assuming that the opposition, whatever it may be, is it out to get me or, or is evil. Because as an actor, I've played predominantly bad guys in my career. And we don't see ourselves in our characters as bad. That's the thing. Everyone believes they're doing their truth. They're doing what, it, what they're doing is justified. So if you put yourself, if you take yourself out of your own world and put yourself in another person's shoes or point of view, I think it helps you understand your characters, especially if they're generally considered evil or bad. One person's revolutionary is another person's, you know, um, insurgent, right? One person's hero is another one's, you know, enemy. And 
It just depends on where you stand and where you look. Look at this cup right here, right? From my perspective, I see the ear on this cup. From your perspective, it's a mug that doesn't have an ear. But only by moving around and taking each other's perspectives can we both say, oh, I see what you mean. If you talk about spirituality to things that, to people that are science-based, okay, that's where it stops for them. The wall comes down and go, you're a quack. And if you talk about science to people who are faith-based and say, no, that's mumbo jumbo, that's technical jargon. I know my heart and I know my God. So I live in between those two worlds because I want to see evidence. I believe they can, but we've been kind of, there was somebody recently, I'm not sure who it was, but I saw this video that talked about red army ants and normal ants in a jar. And they were fine, they were living together. But when you shake that jar, they tear each other apart. And this is what I feel that propaganda does. It shakes our jar of existence and it makes us fight each other so that we don't Oh, wait a minute. Who's shaking the jaw? Who's really behind things? Who is really behind things? That's the question that we should be focusing on. We'll be shedding some light on that topic later on in this final episode. One of the things that Esai said is so important, and that's the significance of seeing things from someone else's perspective. Honestly, we're confused with the open hostility of family and friends who have apparently drunk the COVID Kool-Aid and won't even consider that they've been fooled and lied to and they refuse to even discuss COVID or vaccines. Why? Because they blindly trust those in power who tell us that they are following the science. Following science and scientific data. Continue to be followed by the evidence and the science. We are guided by the science. I trust the scientists. Science has given us a solution. All of the things that I have spoken about consistently from the very beginning have been fundamentally based on science. The science is evolving, the science is moving, and we are following the science each and every day. When the science changes, we must change our response. This is a very much guided by the clinical science. Because you've got to be guided by the science and the current data. And never stop striving to support the science. While the politicians and the government quacks were out striving to support the science, they apparently forgot to tell the doctors to support their patients. In addition to pushing a deadly vaccine on the world, one of the most bizarre aspects of the COVID-19 pandemic was the fact that doctors were told not to treat patients in the early stages. It turns out that the FDA and the Federal Trade Commission hit every single manufacturer of any nasal product and said, don't you dare try to promote this for COVID. Don't you dare even do research on COVID. One company, the company that makes the product uh, clear, spelled X-L-E-A-R, they applied to the FDA. They said, we just want to do a project seeing if we suppress COVID-19. No, no, may not do this. Another company, uh, Cofix Rx, received very strong warning letters. You're promoting this for COVID-19, you have to stop. Um, I can tell you, anything that works for COVID-19, there was a strict and forceful government response to abolish it. Started with hydroxychloroquine ivermectin, uh, virucidal nasal sprays. All of them work, all of them work. Uh, higher dose corticosteroids, uh, prednisone, far more effective than dexamethasone. The use of zinc, vitamin D, vitamin C, quercetin, over-the-counter famotidine. There's literature to support all of this. Uh, colchicine, the best 
quality, prospective, multi-center, double-blind, randomized, placebo-controlled trial in the history of COVID-19 was done with colchicine, and it reduced the risk of hospitalization and death. No word of it. Federal government has never mentioned the drug colchicine. Never, never. And in fact, now, you know, before, with the earlier versions of the virus, people were dying of blood clots. You know, aspirin wasn't even mentioned, or other blood thinners, no mention. The only thing Americans heard, and people worldwide heard, heard is, be afraid of this, stay in lockdown, social distance, wear a mask, use hand sanitizer, none of which work, and then wait for a vaccine. And when you get a vaccine, you've gotta take it, and you've gotta take it every six months, with no questions, no exceptions, and do not miss a shot. It was clear from the beginning, COVID-19, the illness, was actually all about getting the vaccine, a needle in every arm. In infectious disease, you know that infections are easily cured if you cure them early, treat them early, and you hit them with everything you can. If you let it get out of control, the organism will take over your body, suppress your immunity, and you have a high death rate, high hospitalization rate. Uh, the infection becomes almost uncontrollable. Uh, so that had always been the principle of treating infectious disease. You, you, do, it, you do your uh, treatments very early. Uh, give it your, your best uh, weapon. For the first time in the history of medicine, just the opposite is what we were told. All physicians were informed. Do not treat these infections early. Tell the people to stay home, take Tylenol, drink plenty of water, rest in bed. Then when they get so sick, they can no longer breathe, they're having difficulty breathing, call an ambulance, come to the hospital, and then we will begin your treatment. That is totally unprecedented. And yet every doctor knew that, but they remained silent. Why? Because they made some examples of some of those who spoke out, who said, this, this is insane. You have to treat them earlier, you're gonna have a very high death rate. Worst thing in the world you could ever do is take Tylenol. Tylenol drastically lowers your glutathione level. Yeah. Yeah, Tylenol should be outlawed. But uh, they always tell them, take Tylenol. I say, well, you're just sabotaging yourself. That virus is, is gonna be much more lethal if you take Tylenol. But that's what they told them to do. They knew what would happen if you don't treat it early. They knew what would happen if you use these deadly medications. They knew what would happen if you put them on respirators. And so this is premeditated murder by order of government bureaucracies and, and the media as, as an accessory to this murder. There have been so many developments and so many new angles to the crisis. One could conclude that there's something other than just the biological infection, something other than COVID-19, the illness. And, and the types of things that we've seen from the suppression of early treatment, the intentional promotion of fear, the intentional promotion of hospitalization and death, the promotion of death. We've never seen that before. And it happened through not only suppressing early treatment, but uh, uh, adverse hospital protocols that never evolved. Hospitals that never claimed to ever develop any expertise we're into three years into the crisis. Not a single hospital claims to be any good at treating the illness. This is, this is a stunning observation. And then the COVID-19 vaccines, uh, a situation that 
no one has ever seen before. From a public health perspective, these products should have been pulled off the market early, probably, I wouldn't say February of 2021. Why? In court order documents, Pfizer knew about 1,223 deaths with their product within 90 days of its release on the market. Now, a convention is when, when someone dies with a medicinal product, a pill, or an injection, and the families are reporting it to the company, typically 5, 10, 15, probably no more than 50, they just pull it off the market. Something's gone wrong. Something definitely has gone wrong. Pfizer knew about 1,200 plus deaths, but they buried the data. But Pfizer's CEO isn't exactly the poster child for the vaccine safety and effectiveness, or for truthfulness for that matter. Last year, he claimed that the Pfizer COVID vaccine was 100% effective. Here's the tweet. However, despite his claims of 100% effectiveness and despite being vaccinated and boosted and boosted and boosted four doses in total, according to his tweet earlier this year, he's tested positive for COVID-19. This is the second time this year he's tested positive. But Borla isn't the only person tested positive for COVID after receiving the vaccine and multiple boosters, not by a long shot. Triple vaccinated U.S. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin has had COVID twice this year. And let's not forget the quadruple vaxxed and boosted Joe Biden, who also tested positive twice this year. Oh yeah, we almost forgot, so did his wife, triple vaccinated Jill Biden. The vaccines are not working, which is why Pfizer has partnered with Marvel to create a comic book to urge people to get their COVID boosters. Propaganda at its finest. This PR stunt comes amid a sluggish autumn jab rollout that has seen less than 5% of eligible Americans receiving their Omicron-specific booster. This is more propaganda brought to you by Pfizer. Remember, this is the same Pfizer that paid the largest criminal health care settlement in history. In a combination civil and criminal settlement, Pfizer has agreed to pay $2.3 billion, the largest health care fraud settlement in the history of the Department of Justice which makes it the largest criminal fine in history. They're criminals, folks. And when it comes to the COVID-19 vaccines, people are literally dropping like flies every day. Some of them young news anchors that appear totally healthy and then boom, they collapse. Here's a tribute to just a couple dozen people who died suddenly this past year. There are literally millions more. This is literally a vaccine holocaust happening all over the globe. We were going to include a tribute section but it literally would have taken several hours to recognize all the people who have mysteriously died suddenly since the COVID vaccine has been unleashed on the world. But we're not the only ones recognizing that something is causing millions of people across the world to die suddenly. Check out this Google search. The search terms died suddenly 2020 yields 114 million results. The terms died suddenly 2021 yields 57.8 million results, but when we search for died suddenly 2022, we get 1.7 billion results. Something is happening globally that's causing the deaths of millions of people, including over 800 professional athletes who were in peak physical condition. Professional athletes hired and paid large salaries Everybody knows they have to pass the physical. Remember when someone's traded from one team to another and he doesn't pass the physical? You know what they go through? They go through blood tests, EKGs, echocardiograms. They are checked out. And we have essentially eliminated fatal cardiac conditions from our athletes. So when an athlete, professional soccer athlete, goes on the field, they're good to go because they're checked out. 
and to have fatality after fatality out there. You know there was a Russian soccer player, a, a young guy, at the top of his game, dies of a fatal blood clot. What causes a fatal blood clot in a young fit man? I can tell you, COVID-19 vaccine would. And in my view, in someone who's taken a vaccine and then dies, it's the vaccine until proven otherwise, right? It's just, that's, from a regulatory perspective, that's what it is. And I can tell you, within 30 days, for sure, it's in basically our regulatory standards. Someone takes a new product, a new pill, new injection, new IV, and they die within 30 days. It is due to the product until proven otherwise. You just assume that. In these leagues that have mandated the vaccines, it's a reasonable assumption that the players followed the mandates and took the vaccines. So we're not, this isn't a conspiracy, it's just making observations. So you're seeing all these athletes die all over the world, every, every sport, soccer, tennis, basketball, football, uh, just dropping down in the field of play. And the people that are, like I say, been, been uh, in this sport for 40 years, they said, I've never seen so many young people dropping in the field of play. And now we have 800 deaths. And so many people are suddenly dying. They, they created a name for it, Southern Adult Death Syndrome. Kind of like SIDS for the kid. Sudden Adult Death Syndrome. Yeah, they're dying from complications caused by this injection that's destroying their heart. And they suddenly have heart failure and die. Arrhythmias in, in the UK, a recent study shows there's a dramatic increase in arrhythmia. Dramatic increase in myocarditis. And they lied about the myocarditis. They said, well, it's very minor and they, they fully recover. And so they did a, a, a MRI study of the hearts of, of these kids that's recovered. They said, no, their heart's permanently scarred. So what's gonna happen to them later in life? They find out what well, you can't hike anymore. You can't ride your bike anymore. You can't exercise anymore. You have a weakened heart. You're 20 years old. You're like a 65-year-old cardiac cripple now. They've ruined their lives forever. Heart damage is permanent. It's never mild. And it doesn't go away as rapidly. And there are papers by Jenna Schauer and colleagues showing it doesn't go away. The MRIs are lighting up like Christmas trees. Months later, I've seen this in my practice, with ongoing heart damage for over a year because the spike protein is dwelling in the body for a long period of time. With myocarditis, it's a very important principle. No matter what cause, we can never exercise with myocarditis because the surge of adrenaline will trigger a cardiac arrest. So even before COVID, the guidelines say, if it's myocarditis, do not go out there and play a soccer game. Don't, you know, don't try to run a bicycle race or what have you because it can trigger sudden death. I am telling you, the vaccines can and are lethal in young people because the spike protein causes myocarditis. An analysis by Bowmeyer and colleagues from Germany showed the spike protein is physically in the heart. It, it's not controversial. It's not controversial. The questions are, who's the next child who's gonna develop fatal myocarditis? That's the only question on the table. It's almost as if we're in an altered reality world now where people just accept death without any difficulty. Great example is, it's sad, but is uh, Congressman Sean Kasten from Illinois. Pushing and tweeting, he's gonna take the vaccines, we need to take the vaccines, has uh, uh, several young kids, young daughters, he's gonna take his young daughters to take the vaccine, take the vaccine, and he has a 17-year-old daughter die in her sleep. The eulogy just says, 
We have to enjoy life while we have it, enjoy people while they're on this earth. I can tell you as a doctor, when a perfectly healthy 17-year-old girl, and I tell you, every picture they showed on the internet, she looked like a perfectly healthy, normal girl. Every 17-year-old who dies in America, there is a vignette. They had a long history of cancer and it was awful. They had a long history of congenital heart disease and lung disease with multiple surgeries. They uh, took a drug overdose. Uh, they committed suicide. They died in a motor vehicle accident. There's an explanation. In our country, when people die, there's an explanation. And now we are overwhelmed with deaths with no explanation. In the uh, province of Alberta recently, they just announced that the leading cause of death was unknown. In Western societies, death is 40% cancer, 40% heart disease, 20% other causes, and it's known. It's known. We don't accept mystery deaths of people just dying. We don't accept mystery deaths, especially in children. Unless they took the COVID vaccine, then no questions are asked, and no, people are not dropping dead from climate change. We'll cover more about that topic later. Are you familiar with vSafe? According to the CDC, vSafe provides personalized and confidential health check-ins via text messages and web surveys, so you can quickly and easily share with the CDC how you or your dependent feel after getting a COVID-19 vaccine. According to the data, which took Children's Health Defense 463 days and two lawsuits to obtain from the CDC, out of the 10 million people who used vSafe, 3.3 million were hurt, over 2.5 million, 25% had serious side effects, and over 770,000 had to seek medical attention. Wow. The party line is that the COVID-19 vaccines are safe and effective, uh, that we should keep getting them despite a complete lack of any positive, demonstrable positive benefit. And when you say we'd like, we wish you would study these in a more thorough way where we could really compare a control group and a treatment group for a long period of time in all respects, not just did they test positive, which I think is an almost meaningless metric. If your intervention does not reduce all-cause mortality, you're not interested. I remember looking in 2021, waiting to see when the all-cause mortality would drop. All-cause mortality was worse in the year of the vaccine than it was in the year of COVID. So either the vaccine does not work, or even is dangerous, or COVID is not dangerous, and we don't need a vaccine. So they want to have it both ways. They want the year of COVID to be the worst year when it's not. And they want us to believe that the vaccine that didn't reduce all-cause mortality is effective. It's pure fantasy. Well said, Dr. Stillman. It's pure fantasy. But one thing that's not fantasy is the connection between the COVID vaccine and cancer. Dr. Jutta Kruger is a senior Swedish physician and she's a researcher. And she sounded the alarm over the link between COVID-19 vaccines and fast growing cancers. In a recent interview, she expressed alarm at the extraordinary rates of aggressive cancers that she is now seeing. Dr. Kruger, who's worked in pathology for 25 years and 18 years in breast cancer diagnostics, has studied 8,000 autopsies and she is now convinced that the vaccines against COVID-19 are triggering fast growing cancers. Official U.S. government data confirms the risk of developing cancer following the COVID-19 vaccination increases by a shocking 143,233%. The system is rigged, folks. The banksters ensure that we stay in debt. 
Big Pharma makes sure that we stay sick. Weapons manufacturers make sure that we keep going to war. The mainstream media ensures that we stay brainwashed and we do not know the truth. And the government ensures that it is all done legally. We will label everything you say disinformation, misinformation, and further than that, we'll call it dangerous. That you're killing people, you're murdering people by speaking. Therefore, we, that is the controllers, must control everything that's said. All written material, all uh, social media exchanges, everything must be controlled. Well, you, there's a place you used to see things like this, and we all knew about it. It's called Soviet Union, uh, Communist China, Communist Cuba, Vietnam. These are places where all opinions are controlled. Opinions come from the government, no one else. And if anyone speaks out, uh, there's, there's a price to pay. Now, in communist countries, they could incarcerate you in a concentration camp. They could execute you. Uh, you could just disappear. And we're, we're, we're seeing moves towards that. For instance, in California, it said people who speak out uh, opposite of what we're saying should be arrested and put in prison. That's right out of the Soviet Union. That's right out of communist China. Uh, so we're entering a level of obvious totalitarianism. And we're not talking about people who are, are attacking uh, the CDC or uh, other uh, of these so-called elitist uh, opinion. We're talking about people who are some of our top scholars in the world, Nobel Prize winners, people ahead of major inst institutions of learning, people who are extensively published in the field of infectious disease, epidemiology. These are major uh, uh, minds that exist in our society and in the world are being told, remain silent. Mm -hmm. You contradict us, there will be a, pay, a price to pay. And indeed, there was a price to pay. Do you remember when we discussed the disinformation dozen in a previous episode? Well, some recently released documents have added some more spice to the story. But before we share the recent developments, let's take a look at how a public service announcement from 1946 on censorship has actually turned out to be quite prophetic. A community rates low on an information scale when the press, radio, and other channels of communication are controlled by only a few people and when citizens have to accept what they're told. In communities of this kind, despotism stands a good chance. And if books and newspapers and the radio are efficiently controlled, the people will read and accept exactly what the few in control want them to. Government censorship is one form of control. A newspaper which breaks a government censorship rule can be suspended. The narrator just stated that when the press, radio, and other communications are controlled by only a few people, and when citizens have to accept what they're told, this leads to despotism. In other words, the exercise of absolute control. Then he says government censorship is one form of control, and a newspaper that breaks the government's rules can be suspended. Fast forward to the middle of the pandemic in 2021, and let's replace newspaper with online news. Remember when Biden said we were killing people with our disinfo about COVID vaccines? Of all the misinformation, 60% of the misinformation came from 12 individuals. 12 people were out there giving misinformation 
Anyone listening to it is getting hurt by it. It's killing people. We now know that the Biden administration held weekly censorship meetings with social media giants like Facebook, now Meta, and HHS to censor us and suppress COVID and vaccine-free speech. Here's Senator Josh Hawley reading part of the emails that were released. On July 23rd, 2021, a Facebook employee thanked HHS, quote, for taking the time to meet earlier today and wanted to make sure you saw the steps we just took this past week to adjust policies and what we are removing with respect to misinformation. The email continues, quote, as well as steps taken to further address the disinfo dozen. The quote continues, we removed 17 additional pages, groups, and Instagram accounts tied to the disinfo dozen, so a total of 39 profiles, pages, groups, and Instagram accounts deleted thus far, resulting in every member of the disinfo dozen having at least one such entity removed. That's what they call a smoking gun, folks. Government collusion with big tech to censor us. And now we know that these attacks on us have resulted in thousands of deaths of people that could have heard the truth about the COVID-19 vaccines. But the government and big tech didn't want the truth to be heard. So they censored us and attacked us and people died. And at the foundation of their attacks on us was the weaponization and alteration of words and language, specifically the term misinformation. The weaponization of tech really, really, really roils me because I'm affected professionally, you know? Um, I, um, I had a page on this FB platform, and I remember that every time I would do media, my numbers would spike. More followers and the views, your reach got wider, and then it went back down to the norm at, the, at that point. But it was always trending upwards. When I started posting about things that really mattered to me, which is most of the time, about GMOs in our food, in our water, companies like M. Santo, you know, politicians, policies that were anti-human in my opinion, my, my numbers started fluctuating and I thought, oh, more people. And there was a point where I started doing this and I went out of the country to make a film. And my reach went up from the low millions to 17 and a half million, just doing what I was doing. 20 posts a day, whatever, people don't post less, whatever. Because I was sharing information that I think was important. Humanist stuff. Stuff against racism, stuff against uh, 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 bigotry, stuff against bigotry towards bigots. You know what I mean? Like the people that you think are the, just trying to open the conversation. And when I came back home, and then the, the V word, right? The vaccine issue. All the numbers went straight down. I'm like, how could it be? The internet, I don't know. They changed the algorithm or something. And it's, it got a, a ceiling at 250,000. I had a reach of 17 and a half million. It went down to 250,000 and it's been there ever since. I got big jobs. I got huge jobs the number wouldn't change. And I realized, okay, I'm being shadow banned. It has become crystal clear that if you share the truth, you'll be censored, mocked, deplatformed, shadow banned, and attacked. And the mainstream media is complicit. Where are the real journalists? There's almost nobody we can trust. But we do give props where props are due, and we applaud MSNBC host Katie Tour 
for being honest about the overall distrust in the mainstream media. In an interview promoting her new memoir, Tour was asked by The Hill's Niall Stenage about admitting that she almost walked away from journalism altogether during the COVID-19 pandemic and how she feels about the overall distrust in the industry. There was just a Gallup poll out today that shows that the trust in, in media, newspapers and television is you know, hitting an all-time low. People don't trust us, they don't believe us, and it makes me wonder if this job as I'm currently doing it is effective, uh, but if it's doing more harm than good. I don't have a good answer for that. At least she's being honest. People don't trust the mainstream media partly because what we saw throughout the COVID-19 pandemic was pure propaganda and spin doctors and talking heads, just regurgitating the lies and twisting the truth to fit the government's narrative. The propaganda is a, it's an opinion machine. It's not facts. A good journalist just basically says, look, he said this, she said that, this is his perspective, that's her perspective. We don't, we're not trying to take sides here. We're just trying to show you two sides. That's good journalism. They get spin doctors who essentially, some of whom are literally, you know, intelligence agents, former CIA. Some of them are just groomed within the, uh, you know, the NIH system or whatever the university may be. Could be under government payroll or big pharma payroll. Could be also former defense guys. All the time we see on like the different news channels, they had their, you know, I'm the, their, their Pentagon insider, right? They're, you know, they're, they're general from this, from this group, from that group. They're, they're a national security advisor, whatever it was. They have these guys and they're spin doctors. They're there basically with their talking points. Yes, you know, Putin is the bad guy. We have to, you know, we have to stop this, this, this tyrant from, you know, taking over the world. He's the new Hitler. Whatever it is that they're selling, they have their spin doctors that they know they can go to. So if they want to make you look bad, they know, okay, well, these doctors are going to come here and tell us why, you know, the Bollingers are a bunch of quacks or cracks or crackpots or whatever it is. And they have that ready to go in the machine so that they always have, essentially, someone to spin the story the way they need it to go. Propaganda does that to you. Mm -hmm. it, it gives you a narrative that, um, you know, it's very compelling for some people. They fall into it. Once they do, they end up like a bunch of zombie robots just repeating the same thing over and over and they won't be open to any kind of uh, evidence to the contrary no matter how compelling it is. This is extremely dangerous to our democracy. This is extremely dangerous to our democracy. Uh, this is extremely dangerous to our democracy. 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 Journalism is dead, for the most part, on a mainstream level, which is why we see this incredible explosion of decentralized information sources. Um, and this is why we're combated so aggressively, because the popularity is directly proportionate to the need for information that people can actually process for themselves and realize it. Journalism is supposed to talk about the most important things in one's life, the things that we talk about around the dinner table. If you watch any of the mainstream cable or major broadcast television networks, none of them are talking about anything that actually matters that we are discussing with our spouses or with our friends and our family and most importantly with our children as we try to teach them how to navigate this ever-changing environment 
where more and more threats against them present themselves every day. None of them are talking about any of that. Stu's absolutely correct. They're not talking about the things that truly matter. They're covering wokeism and Hollywood, and they're pushing the transgender propaganda. We are seeing now uh, an overall agenda of wokeism, right, that's, that's taken over in Hollywood. And whether or not people agree fully with it, there's such a fear that people have when they're in a position of influence. And especially if you're, you know, if you're a star, you're making money. And look at Gina Carano as an example, right? It's like if you then say, well, I think this is ridiculous to talk about, you know, a transgender woman as, as, as the same as a biological woman, you can get fired from your, from your job. Transgenderism is pure propaganda. We know from biology that male individuals have one X and one Y chromosome, XY, while those who are biologically female have two X chromosomes. This is science. Boys and girls are different. I have a daughter who has specific needs uh, because boys and girls are different. Did you know that? Science actually says boys and girls are different and you are born one way or the other. You can't change that. Perhaps the most disturbing thing happening today is how children are being targeted with transgender propaganda and exposed to degenerate filth like drag queen strip shows. There are pride parades all over the country with half-naked transvestites, and children are being taken to these disgusting events and forced to participate. A few years ago, if you took a child into a strip club, you'd be arrested for child endangerment. But now it's perfectly okay to take a young child to watch a naked drag queen twerking and doing all sorts of perverted stuff. And they're advertising events like Drag the Kids to Pride, which took place in June at Dallas at a gay bar. They are targeting children, and no, it is not normal to have children in a gay bar while these freak pedophilic weirdos are stripping and twerking for them. That video was taken in my hometown, Dallas. Gross. And right down I-35 in Waco, where I went to college at Baylor, here's drag queen Harlot Hussey stripping for lots of children. And here's footage from a family-friendly drag show on Nickelodeon, where young children are tipping the stripper. Person, thing, whatever it is. Can anyone explain why children should be attending drag shows? Anyone? Is there any such thing as a family-friendly strip club? Research shows that exposing young children to sexually explicit information before they're ready causes long-term trauma and psychological damage. And they're pushing this filth in the public school systems. But we're living in the matrix, so when parents attend local school board meetings, to protest the filth that's being pushed on their children with books like Gender Queer and Lawn Boy, both of which push pedophilia as normal and contain pornographic images, they are compared to the January 6th insurrectionists and accused of coordinating attacks across the country to intimidate school board members, when the reality is they just want their school to stop pushing pedophilia and pornography on their kindergartners. And people on the local level uh, at affected school board meetings. They won't forget the MAGA uh, Republicans descending on their school board meetings uh, after January 6th, like January 6th, disrupting meetings. It was a co coordinated uh, attack happening across the country. Americans won't forget about it. Just consider the source. Georgia Representative Hank Johnson is the same person who was concerned that Guam might capsize if the U.S. sent too many military troops there since it's such a small island and it might tip over. 
my fear is that uh, the whole island will uh, become so overly populated that it will tip over and, uh, and capsize. Where do these people come from? But seriously, this brings us to an even more ludicrous reality. Yes, it does. 20 is too young to drink a beer. 17 is too young to vote or smoke or join the military. But nine is not too young to decide if you want to be permanently castrated if you're a boy or have your uterus and ovaries removed if you're a girl. Nine-year-olds making a decision for gender-altering surgery is uh, its disgusting to even think about. We are fathers and mothers of children for a reason, and that's because a nine-year-old is not capable of making a decision like that. They are not fully developed. Uh, their reasoning and their ability to decipher good versus bad information. So I think it's an absolute criminal offense to allow a nine-year-old to make that decision. You were born a male because you are a male as God intended you to be, or a female, and vice versa. Pretending that you are the opposite sex or that this was somehow a mistake or that you're going to mutilate your body and then sterilize yourself uh, in the name of transgenderism is defiling and uh, really just blasphemy. No, we are not haters. We are not insensitive people. We are not crazy. We are not bigoted. We are not racist. We are not homophobic. We are centered in God's truth and placating to this transgenderism uh, and the transhumanist sycophants that work with and around Klaus Schwab or uh, any of these other world-governing bodies would be, in my opinion, blaspheming God. Stu's right. We're not haters. We're sharing the truth and science and exposing lies. Here's a disgusting propaganda commercial from Boston Children's Hospital pushing hysterectomies for minors who want to transition. A hysterectomy itself is the removal of the uterus, the cervix, which is the opening of the uterus, and the fallopian tubes, which are attached to the sides of the uterus. Some gender-affirming hysterectomies will also include the removal of the ovaries, but that's technically a separate procedure called a bilateral oophorectomy. And not every gender-affirming hysterectomy includes that, and people who are getting gender-affirming hysterectomies do not have to have their ovaries removed. They call it gender-affirming care, but there's nothing affirming about it. That is child abuse, and it is evil and satanic to take away a young girl's ability to bear children in the future. Plus, when you get a hysterectomy, you face depression and menopausal symptoms. But Boston Children's Hospital is only one of many hospitals offering gender mutilation for children. Apparently, the people who are making these harmful decisions are woefully ignorant of history. Never in the history of the world has any society dabbled in rethinking gender and sex and gotten a good outcome. I mean, sex and gender are so important for the health and well-being of a society that it is, it is one of the key things that happens as societies decline. Weird things start to happen in society with sex and, and gender. That's very well established as a matter of historical record. Our biology, as far as sex and gender, isn't just a matter of, oh, this equipment or that equipment, right? It's a chromosomal level uh, uh, of, our, of our being, of who we are. So when we look at manipulating people's external appearance 
with hormones or surgeries, it's truly mutilation. And that's really what it should be called. It's not gender affirming care. It's not transition care or transition surgery. It's genital mutilation. Let's call it what it is. The problem with this, you know, and this is from a purely medical perspective, I'm not going to get into the ethics and the, and, the, and the religion behind it, which of course I'm very passionate about, but on a very, a very practical uh, biochemical medical level, when you start to mess with sex hormones in the body, you can create absolute mayhem. And all these people who talk about well, we need to have safety and you can't rec recommend green tea for this or you know oatmeal for that because you don't have any evidence. I mean, I defy them to come up with a sound body of evidence showing that manipulating people's hormones doesn't lead to more death and disease. The reality is what makes women happy, what makes men happy is having healthy levels of these sex steroid hormones. It's, it's hardwired into our brains. But despite the complete lack of evidence for these gender mutilation surgeries, in an October 2022 letter from the American Medical Association and the American Academy of Pediatrics and Children's Hospital Association, these organizations asked Attorney General Merrick Garland to launch an investigation into anyone who criticized the hospitals that perform these type of surgeries. In the letter, they state that the backlash amounted to attacks and that hospitals and physicians are being targeted and threatened for providing evidence-based health care. But there is no evidence, none. It's all a farce. If we paint stripes on a horse, does it magically become a zebra? If we surgically remove male body parts, does that male person magically become a female? If a male pretends to be a female and wants to be called she, are we required to pretend with him? What is behind this propaganda push to blur the lines between the sexes? What you have to do is say, why are they doing it? I mean, you look at the things they're doing, it's so destructive of society, so destructive of, of, of our, our whole uh, social and psychological uh, health of this country. Why are they doing it? Well, I've studied uh, socialism, communism, most of my adult life when I started in high school. Uh, so I've studied a lot. I've read a lot of books on technology, uh, technique of the Soviet system and brainwashing and these sort of things. Well, the idea was the enemy of our change, of a, I'm talking from the aspect of, of the progressive left, is uh, our enemy is the family. The family is endorsed uh, biblically. Uh, what we need to do is destroy the family. Well, how do you destroy the family? All these things you're doing. Uh, transgender. Everything you can do to attack either the economics of the family, the structure of the family. And so you look at it in California. Well, uh, we let minors make up their own mind whether they want a vaccine or not. Uh, we want minors to make up their own mind whether they want to have their sex changed. And the parents should have no input. This is just destroying the family. Well, you go back to the French Revolution, that's exactly the ideas they had. And almost all of this comes out of the French Revolution. I've, I've lectured on that forever. And the Soviet Union admits our beginning was the, Soviet, was the French Revolution. You know, Gorbachev said that uh, in one of his celebrations of, of the communist uh, revolution. He said, our revolution began with the French Revolution. 
uh, well, the French Revolution uh, never ended, and every country all over the world that has this leftist element trying to destroy society uh, came out of the ideas of the French Revolution. Uh, one of the great uh, uh, thinkers in this area said they had a name for it. It's called the Total Critique of Society. You first, to create a new society, you have to destroy everything that exists, everything family, the economics, home ownership, private property, the constitution, the bill of rights. You got to you got to erase all of them. Well, that's that's their idea here is to erase our society, our culture, our beliefs, our religion, everything is to be erased and destroyed. How do they do that? They go to the children. And that is why children are being targeted. I think the battle for our children is the hill that I'm willing to die on because nothing else really matters. If we don't give a future to our kids, we have let them down and we have defiled God's word. He commands us to pick up the sword and fight for our children, for his children. And so if we're not willing to pick up that sword and fight and die on that hill, we're doing nothing. We agree with Stu. This is the hill to die on. Let's talk about the French Revolution, which happened from 1789 to 1799. While we're discussing France, we wanted to play this tribute to hundreds of French people who have died, many of them children, after taking the COVID vaccine. The French Revolution is often remembered in America as the overthrowing of the French monarchy and Marie Antoinette telling the people to eat cake instead of bread. But here's an eerie parallel, as Dr. Blaylock just stated. The French Revolution was stoked by extremist media who stoked flames of radicalism under the guise of advocating for the lower class when they were actually in the pockets of the aristocrats. Sound familiar? As the revolution progressed, the French media got to the point where it would list names in the paper of those against the cause and they'd be publicly executed the next day. In a similar fashion today, as the mainstream media hysteria and propaganda increase, we see public shaming, calls to step down, and the firing of people who hold opposing views. Hmm. In Queensland, Australia, they've recently introduced a social credit system where teachers in Queensland are being deducted pay for 18 weeks if they haven't been vaccinated. Hundreds of Queensland teachers will have their pay cut as punishment for not getting vaccinated. While the teachers are now allowed back in the classroom, the financial penalty will be felt for the next 18 weeks. In the last 48 hours, hundreds of teachers have received a dressing down and a pay cut, described in a letter from the Education Department as a reduction in remuneration for a period of 18 weeks. How much is deducted will depend on each teacher's pay grade, but it will be hundreds, if not thousands of dollars. And in Washington, D.C., Mayor Muriel Bowser says that children, majority of them black, get no education, no reading, no writing, like the slave days, unless they get injected with the deadly clot shots. No virtual learnings allowed. Get the shot or no school. And you thought slavery ended with the Civil War. Think again. Even the black political leaders, most of whom are power-hungry globalist shills, they're pushing slavery in 2022 through the vaccines. Washington, D.C. is like a cult, <laughs> essentially, right? Because it's got this sort of religious overtone of the people there worshiping power, really feeling that they're at the center of the world, that they're 
that they are um, you know, running the country and all these things. They're so divorced and so divorced from real people in America and yet they have this cult fetish around power and influence and secrecy as you say. Uh, it's a very dangerous place. I definitely think the swamp has to be drained and power has to be brought back to the states and to the counties and to the people because that was the premise in the Constitution was to delineate very limited government, not to have such a permanent bureaucracy of you know, all these different departments, all these, these agencies, you know, all this clandestine stuff that's going on. The framers of the U.S. Constitution envisioned a tiny federal government with transparency, not the huge government bureaucracy that we see today with secrecy and power-hungry politicians, forcing mask mandates and vaccine mandates on the people. And never forget the disgusting shaming from Hollywood and the mainstream media toward those who were intelligent enough to resist the vaccine and said no to the mandates. F them, f their freedom. I want my freedom to live. No, screw your freedom. You're a schmuck for not wearing a mask. We have to stop coddling the morons who will not get the shot. Shame on you. No mask, get out. Don't wear a mask or get off. We're not getting vaccines. It's time to start shaming them. Because frankly, we know that we can't trust the unvaccinated. Hmm. We can't trust the unvaccinated? Really? How about the CDC or the NIAID, headed by Anthony Fauci, who openly lies and expects that nobody will notice? Here's what he said about lockdowns in 2022 versus 2020. Well, you know, again, it's uh, first of all, I didn't recommend locking anything down. You're, you're, you're asking me questions. You're talking about the CDC is the public health agency mm -hmm. that uses their epidemiologists and their science-based approach to make recommendations. It was a decision to make a recommendation to the president. It wasn't my decision that I could implement. And when it became clear that when we had um, community spread in the country with a few cases of community spread, this was way before there was a major explosion like we saw in the Northeastern corridor driven by New York City metropolitan area. I recommended to the president that we shut the country down. And despite his recent claims that natural immunity is inferior to vaccination, here's what he said about natural immunity way back in 2004. The vaccination, that's a, that's a very, very small minority of it. And unfortunately that appears to be the case with you. Uh, but she's had the flu for 14 days, should she get a flu shot? Well, no, if she got the flu for 14 days, she's as protected as anybody can be because the best vaccination is to get infected yourself. And so she if, not she get it? if she really has the flu, if she really has the flu, she definitely doesn't need a flu vaccine. Next, if she really has the flu. She right. should not get it again. No, she day. doesn't need it because the, it, it's, the be, it's the most potent vaccination is getting infected yourself. We can't trust the government. They lie to us constantly. It's time to hold big tech and big pharma accountable. It's time to expose the collusion between government and media. Because the COVID pandemic isn't the first time we've seen government using Hollywood and other influencers to propagandize the masses. Yes, we can talk about how um, the government has understood the power of, of, of cinema and movie stars importantly, right? That's why they used them in the First World War to sell the Liberty Bonds. It was Chaplin and uh, Mary Pickford and company, the United Artists. 